Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic podcast, after my first trip to New York City, and it was everything I expected, the food, the traffic, the people didn't disappoint, but I never realized just how many different places pro football was played. You're Behind the Mic with Michael Neal Jr., All right, it's the same day drop. It's Wednesday. Hey, welcome in, NFL historians and lovers of sports history. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This show is for you guys and gals. Of course, it's cool. If you guys already know this stuff, congratulations. Cookies for everybody. But there's always someone who doesn't. And this show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we are here to do three things. You know what they are. Call them out to enlighten teach and learn that's right it is the behind the mic podcast i am your host michael neal jr this show is presented by belly up sports the belly up sports podcast network belly up media check us out bellyupsports.com go to that website click on it check out the merch check out the shows check out the writers there's some terrific writers and you can catch all of our shows especially this one on our home base of megaphone also the favorites apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, amazon music stitcher iHeartRadio, and we have shows on youtube so this past weekend i took my first ever trip to new york city i could not wait to go i could barely sleep and i was finally going to get to see <laughs> the concrete jungle it was great it really was now the purpose for it it was not going just to be going although i mean i might as well have i have cousins that have lived up there for years one of my cousins she's lived there all her life two of them rather uh they've lived there all their lives um but then i have two other ones who moved up there tj nikki and of course my cu- my cousins T- shelly and tanya shout out to my family um the sweeney family Urgh. Um, but, uh, I mean, they were great hosts. Um, they moved up there, uh, you know, my cousins, TJ and Nikki, uh, they hosted me, you know, their jobs led them there, their careers so far, they've, they've led them there and they've become ingrained and entrenched in the New York life. Right. Um, uh, can't say the same for Shelly and Tanya. They are 
<laughs> New York, born and raised in New York, even though their family roots were here in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, but uh, my, my purpose for going there was my son. Of course, if you haven't heard this already, I mean, he's a dancer. He's on scholarship up there, although we paying some money um, up there at um, Western Kentucky. Uh, and he was invited to the Joffrey Ballet School uh, for a, a summer intensive. And not everybody can, gets invited to that. And so, so proud of my son, Nathan. And he's still there right now. He'll be back next Saturday. I flew out there. Didn't have enough time, really, to see everything that I wanted to see. But just giving you a quick breakdown of what the uh, the whole, you know, my, my whole day and a half experience was. Flew down uh, on Saturday afternoon, me and my son. And, uh, you know, got there that night about 7.30ish or whatever. And uh, it was great. My cousins, they stay in Bed-Stuy. And um, they took us uh, to go eat. Had some great food at Peaches uh, around the corner um, from where they live. Their brownstones. I mean, it was it was cool. Just I mean, just when I flew into LaGuardia and you get to see all the stuff that you do on, on TV. Now, I'll be 46 years old this year. It's been a long time. I've never been to New York. My mother, God rest her soul, she lived in New York for years. I mean, he's, she was born and raised here, but if you talk to her, she sounds like the woman on the subway. All right? She sounds like, go ahead, honey, take a chance. You know, coming to America, that lady, that's how my mom spoke. Um, but uh, it, it was it was, it was, was uh, very interesting, uh, very eye-opening, and it was everything I really expected. I expected the traffic. I expected people to be blowing at each other. And, and the one thing I didn't expect were the scooters and the e-bikes <laughs> and the people that deliver I mean, they're, and they're just all flying, weaving in and out of traffic. I'm surprised uh, that there's not more of them that get run over. And they probably do. I just never saw it. Thank God. Um, but, uh, you know, quick story. And just, you know, going around a corner, uh, walking with my cousins. They taught me to look, make sure that you watch your step. I almost stepped on a rat. <laughs> it, was, it was the size of a cat. It had been run over. I saw the tail first. I didn't freak out because, I mean, I've seen a dead rat before, but not one that big. We're on our way to dinner. You know, I, my foot almost came down. Oh, crap. Oh, darn, darn rat. Just kept walking and talking as if. And we saw it on the way back. And uh, I was like, oh, watch that rat. So, yeah, I saw that early. <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. Had a great catfish sa uh, sandwich there. Um, you know, and uh, God, man, that was good. I got to go back. Uh, the pizza that we had up there uh, at Grimaldi's, that was phenomenal. Um, but I mean, it, it, getting to see the pictures that I took, we we rode around a lot, um, and I saw the, the what the Avengers building. Uh, I, I had no idea. I didn't even think about that. I really didn't. You know, if everyone's seen the Marvel movies, the Avengers, where Tony Stark's building was, yeah, I mean that that I didn't know about that. Um, my son even got a chance, of, you know, at my cousin's bidding because my cousin Nikki. She actually, you know, is a dancer and everything as well. Um, she was, you know, one who was heading up a school and everything. And and, uh, and she knows the game. And she said, hey, why don't you try the Alvin Ailey uh, school? And he put in for a, a free class. And he went for an hour and a half the next day, that Sunday. And he loved it. He came back with the biggest smile on his face. If you don't know who Alvin Ailey is, he was a phenomenal African-American dancer and choreographer uh, who died way too young uh, at the age of 58. Um, but uh, he has an American dance theater there in New York in, Man in the Manhattan area. And 
My son got got to he got to take part in that. Uh, just rattling off more stuff. I mean, got to go around Fordham University. The New York Public Library was great for me because I loved the movie Ghostbusters. And we were driving around Columbus Circle, and I got to pretty much dip my toe uh, in Central Park, you know, right there on Central Park West. Um, I got to see, uh, you know, Dana Barrett's apartment from Ghostbusters. That was great. And then, of course, right around the corner, and he had the Dakota where John Lennon was shot. Oh, and by the way, you know, Central Park, I mean, it, it was it was cool. I wanted to go deeper into it. We just didn't have enough time to walk the whole thing. I mean, that you know, you can see it from space, so that just tells you how big the park is. But it smells of dirty water, hot dogs, pretzels, and a little bit of weed. So I mean, it, it was it was cool. We got to go by the Lincoln Center, Times Square. We went through there, seen a uh, I guess the naked cowboy, the guy with the white boots, hat, and, and white drawers, and the guitar only. That was hilarious. <laughs> I FaceTimed my family, and they got to see that. Uh, with the Grand Central Terminal, Brooklyn Bridge, the Manhattan and the Williams Bridge, the World Trade Center, and the Freedom Tower. That that was that was appointment for me. I wanted to see that. If I saw nothing else, I wanted to go see the World Trade. And then me being a Yankees fan, we hopped on the train and headed to the Bronx to see the Yankees take on the Red Sox. They lost Sunday night baseball in uh, in ten. Uh, but uh, I mean, it was still a great experience. But meanwhile. Right across the Harlem River is where a former a old stadium used to stand, the Polo Grounds. That's where they once stood. You could, you know, I could see where I, think, I guess it was as a, um, uh, I think a the New York, I think it was the Housing Authority. They brought that out, you know, that area out, and eventually they put up a building there, which is now defunct. But I mean, that's where the Polo Grounds once stood. And, you know, you talk about the New York Yankees, uh, but then you have to move forward and really talk about the New York Giants. You've had the Giants and the Jets um, that have a, a long, a, a, a rich history. The Giants a whole lot more than the Jets. I think the Jets have been around for, what, 64 years? Then the Giants since 1925. So um, the New York Giants, you know, they were 1956 NFL champs. Um, and then from 56 to 63, you know, they had, what, five championship appearances in seven years. And they ended up playing uh, in uh, the New York Yankees Stadium, the house that Ruth built, the original Yankee Stadium. Um, and then, of course, they had the 17 years with no playoffs starting in 1964 until, what, 1981. The same year they drafted Lawrence Taylor, they finally went over 500 and, and uh, got a playoff bid. Yeah, they got beat by San Francisco that year. You know, they was kicking off that 80s dynasty. But, I mean, you know, the Yankees, uh, sta the Yankee Stadium, that wasn't exactly the best place for them to be. But when you go back to the Polo Grounds, that's where the New York Giants started off in 1925. That was their inception when Tim Mara just happened to buy the team. Uh, and we'll tell his story another time. I actually was leaning in that direction, but it was just about, look, I'm looking at all these buildings because that's all there are in New York City. It's just a, a big old, God, that's why there's 8.8 .8 million people that live there, almost 9 million people that live there. The largest city in the United States. And I can also see why there's so many that's crowded in there. You know, it's just nothing but buildings. Uh, but it's great, I, I actually loved it. But 
the Giants, when you know, when they they kicked things off in 1925, and they were playing at the Polo Grounds until 1955, and they were shut down in '63, demolished the next year in '64, and again the Giants they had to move on to play in Yankee Stadium from '56 to '73. And of course, if you know anything about, um, uh, well, I watched a special, uh, and I had missed it. At first, NFL Films did this thing, you know, the timeline. It was called Jersey Guys, rooted for, uh, what, Big Blue from Manhattan to Munachi. Um, and uh, not Munachi, Munaki. It's, that's the way you said. It. It's not Munachi, it's Munaki. I had to tell one of my buddies that today we had a package that came from Munaki. He's like, I was like, how do you say it? He said, Munachi. No, that's not how you say it. Yeah, it is. No, it's Munaki. All right. <laughs> but uh, everybody don't know. And then I just made that mistake. But uh, please forgive me, New Jersey. But, um, you know, there was, um, the question was, it was like, man, New York City, I did not notice that New York had lost two professional football teams to New Jersey. I didn't think of it like that. I knew they played. They play in MetLife right now, uh, around in the Meadowlands, in the, in the swamp that they converted, you know, into two really great stadiums. First giant stadium that was, opened in 1976 and then in 2010 they opened MetLife and knocked down the other one the next year in 2010. I, I, I noticed that but I never really thought of it like that. But I was also thinking where in the world would you put a, a massive stadium like that in New York City? I, I'm look, I'm not a native New Yorker obviously and I, where else would they be able to put us on a spot? You know, because I, I know the Jets wanted one. Uh, of their own, which they, even now, they have never had a stadium to themselves. Never. In their history, from 1960 as the New York Titans to now, they do they share the stadium with the Giants. The Giants were the first ones, you know, in there, but and then they came together to say, hey, look, let's put a stadium, let's play in the same stadium together. You know, they've never had one of their own. New York has, the New York Giants, football Giants have, but not the New York Jets. Um, but yeah, I mean, from 56 to 73, you know, the Giants played in the original Yankee Stadium. And even, I think it was in 74, they played a couple of games in Shea Stadium where the Jets were playing in Queens. Um, like I said, you go back to the Bronx, that's where Yankee Stadium was and still the new one is, and it is immaculate. Boy, that was that was great seeing that. But like I said, I, I, you have both the Giants and the Jets playing in Munaki in New Jersey right now. Um, and the Giants, they slick kind of got booted out of New York without a place to play. That's how they ended up in the Meadowlands in New Jersey in the first place. And uh, like I said, with the Jets, they never had a spot for them for their own selves. But the, 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 the New York Yankees situation, that wasn't great. Remember how we always remind you actually of how baseball, and college football has always been king. Go all the way back to when pro football was first being played on a regular basis and the, the NFL was established. And it was still in the 1920s, going all the way through the 50s, it was still about baseball, Major League Baseball, and also about college football. Now, by then, of course, <laughs> it, it you had the New York Giants who won in 1956 and you had the 1958 championship a couple years later that they lost in the overtime that put the pro put pro football on the map okay that was the first sudden death overtime championship game and it was televised people saw it and it was in new york 
and it was great. The Giants lost a great game to the Baltimore Colts, but it put football on the map. But still, the Yankees, they had them by the nads because they were getting the ticket money and the parking money. You know, it, that's, that's a lot. So you got to get your own stuff. And that's how the Giants Stadium thing came to be. We got to get our own stuff. And since New York doesn't want to finance the stadium, well, we got to go across the Hudson and see or New Jersey's, they, they talking about something. What about you guys? And it just didn't happen. I really wish I had a New Yorker to really that that was around in those times that could really break that down even more because it's with all the research that you can do, sometimes it takes someone who was there to really explain it and some of the stuff that the books and the papers and 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 websites and and things like that just do not tell you. They don't tell you every little thing. Uh, of course, uh, in August of '71. The New Jersey governor, governor at the time, William Cahill, he announced that Giant Stadium was going to be built. You know, they broke ground a couple months later, I think, in, uh, I think it was in November, and they went on about it. But the lease got terminated, and they got booted uh, from Giant Stadium two games into the 73 season. You know, I mean, it's golly. They ended up having to play at the Yale Bowl up in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, in between 1973 and 74, and of course, that's how they ended up playing a couple games in Shea Stadium, and they won one game in 12 tries when they was up there at the Yelp Bowl. I think they tied in the final game or something like that, but you know, that, that's a lot to ask, and you got those fans sitting on those wooden benches up there. Uh, of course, October 10th in 76, they opened, they had their final, I mean, finally had their home opener against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, they lost the game. The Giants, again, they weren't that great. You know, they were built, trying to build towards something. And of course, you go across uh, 1960, the AFL had come to be, right? And then, of course, you know, the New York Jets at the time were known as the New York Titans. And they were playing at the polo ground, sharing that same field with the New York Mets. But that was from 1960 to 1963. Then Sonny Werblin, he buys the team from the first owner, Harry Wismer, and he names them the Jets. 1964, the Mets and the Jets are now in Shea Stadium, and I think they spent 34 seasons there, which was great. Um, the New York baseball giants, I didn't know this, because they had left because the polo grounds were falling apart. They couldn't get a stadium either. You know, that's where the New York football giants thing comes from. Well, there was the New York baseball giants. And I, another thing I did not know, there were five different versions in three locations of the Polo Grounds. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Of course, the most famous was the last one. Uh, in 1911, there was a mysterious fire that caught, you know, that, that pretty much leveled the stadium. And the thing is, a lot of baseball stadiums were built with wood back then. But they was going to go to the metal thing. Of course, that cost a little more money, but it would last a lot longer. Um, and, you know... <laughs> There you go. And the Polo Grounds lasted as long as they could. And it was an old stadium. 1911, man. That's a long time. And then we've talked about this, the stadium issues between the city or the league and the, the teams. It says, look, this place is falling apart. We need a new stadium. And it's like 50, 60 years old. It's like, we can't keep doing this. We need something else. You know? <laughs> and uh, the city's like, nah, we think you're good where you are. And until somebody else comes through, right? Um, and that, like I said, the question of the day was how New York lost two football teams, and that was that's why. Uh, and eventually, 
the Jets would leave Queens and go join the New York Giants in Giants Stadium in the Meadowlands after the 1983 season. Um, another thing that I thought was pretty interesting was just the fact that all five boroughs all had a professional football team at one time. Of course, you have Staten Island, you got Brooklyn, you got Queens, the Bronx, and you have Manhattan. And, you know, with these boroughs, they all had multiple, well, some of them just had one team, and then others had multiple teams, of course, in the more famous parts of New York. Um, again, you have Shea Stadium in Queens, and according to Bleacher Report, I thought well, that was interesting, and I'm quoting, in 1975, the Giants called Shea Stadium home along with the Jets, Mets, and Yankees, marking the only time in history that two baseball and two football teams shared the same stadium. Of course, you know, that was a unique situation. You had teams that were getting things built and then, uh, you know, and they were waiting on things, so they had to do something. And they shared the same stadium. Wow, what a schedule that was. I've talked about Ebbets Field in Brooklyn in the past, and it was constructed by one-time Brooklyn Dodgers owner, and it was named after him. He decided to name it after him, Charles Ebbets. It was finished and opened in 1913, and it was shut down, closed in 1957, and demolished in 1960. And it's actually now, presently, for those who are aware in New York, if you're listening, at 47 McKeever Place in Brooklyn, New York. Anybody knows that whole block, Crown Heights, that whole block between McKeever Place, Montgomery Street, Bedford Avenue and Sullivan, that was Ebbets Field right there. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I wasn't that far from it from where, you know, where my cousins uh, stayed, where I was staying with them. And you had multiple teams that played at Ebbets Field and called it home. You had some NFL teams as well as teams that played in the All-America Football Conference, the AAFC. You had the Brooklyn Lions, the New York Brooklyn Giants, the Brooklyn Dodgers of the AAFC. That's the team. And then the Brooklyn Tigers also played at Ebbets Field. And then Staten Island, we've mentioned the Staten Island Stapletons. Don't think about that being in New York, do you? They played at Thompson Stadium, another one of those since-defunct NFL teams from New York. Uh, they never had a winning record in their four seasons. They played from 1929 to 1932, and that was when the Great Depression took them out. So, you know, the money got scarce, and they was one of those teams that just folded up, you know, like a cheap tent. No money, no ball. Can't do it. And they played out there at Thompson Stadium, and I didn't get a chance to go on the other side, but it was uh, where Staten Island Stapleton neighborhood is. And if anyone's familiar with that area, at present, um, it's around Hill Street and Warren Street, and right there on that corner where the New York City Board of Education is, I believe there's a school nearby as well that's on that same property. But, I mean, five boroughs had five teams. And with all of the stuff that I was looking for um, and looking at the bridges and enjoying going through the tunnel, underwater in the tunnels, riding the subways and, and seeing rats, people blowing at each other, Times Square, Central Park, all of that's, you know, great stuff. And even seeing, I only saw... Our Lady Liberty from the air, but it was still great. Um, you had five boroughs that had five foot, you know, had multiple football teams. Every borough in New York had at least one. I thought that was pretty cool. Thought that was pretty cool. And when I go back, I want to go to those sites. I'm going to have another chance to do that. All right, that's it. References. Thanks to ProFootballReference.com, StadiumsOfProFootball.com, also Untapped New York, the Polo Grounds, the Lost Ballpark of New York's first baseball team. That was written by Bernard DiRazio. 
Bleacher Report, where they play giant homes through the years. Sports Lifer, that's his Twitter handle, that is. And this was written September 22nd, 2010. Curb, New York, or New York Curb. This was uh, titled NFL in NYC, Pro Football History in the Five Boroughs, the Polo Grounds, from the Polo Grounds to Shea Stadium. This written by Amy Plitt. February 3rd, 2017, and NFL Films credited them. Jersey guys rooting for the Big Blue from Manhattan to Munaki, the timeline. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr. Again, this show is presented by Belly Up Sports, Belly Up Media, the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Again, go to bellyupsports.com. Check out all of our shows, our writers, our merch. You catch us all on Megaphone. The, the famous ones, the, the, the ones we look for the most, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Tell all your friends and family about this show. Give it a listen. Give it a chance. Or I'll find your house out. Out.